Welcome to Africa Agenda, a podcast produced by the Local Development Research Institute for the Africa Open Data Network. For more information about the network, please visit africaopendatanetwork.org or you can follow us on Twitter on Network for Data, Instagram and Facebook. My name is Shiro. Today's episode is part of a series recorded at the sixth edition of the AgriTech Africa International Exhibition and conference on agriculture technology held in Nairobi, Kenya. We spoke with Ms. Anne Chelle, the Agriculture Policy Officer of the Food and Agriculture Organization Kenya Office. Welcome to FAO Radio, and we are at the sixth AgriTech conference here at KICC. And uh, this is day two of the conference, and um, today we were having different. Um, panel discussions and um, the first one of the day was uh, better policies to achieve big four agenda target of 100% food and nutrition security and um, with me is uh, Anne Chele who was leading the food and nutrition security value chains and opportunities for uh, MSMEs and uh, private sector and uh, she was a keynote speaker and uh, she stayed through the whole session so I will be speaking to her to just um, hear what the session was about. So maybe just um, tell, tell, tell our listeners uh, what you do, Anchela. Tell our listeners what, what you do, Anchela. Okay, thank you very much, George. Um, I work at the policy team of the FAO uh, in the Enabling Policy Sub-Program. Our main task is to work with the government and stakeholders to ensure the creation of an enabling environment for the real, uh, increased investments in agriculture and realization of food and nutrition security targets. Okay. Yes. And uh, what, what, when you say an enabling environment, what, what exactly are you talking about? When you say an enabling environment, yes. what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is uh, enabling environment is defined in terms of the policy uh, policies that the government puts in place. Uh, to um, uh, motivate or create incentives for the private sector to work in a more uh, successful way. In other words, it's like you, you, are, you are putting in place um, a kind of a, 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 an operating environment that makes a private sector reap benefits from their investment. And the whole idea is that uh, uh, the partnership between the government and the private sector, the synergies that are created therein, each one of them playing their role. The role of the government is to create that supportive environment. Then the, in, the private sector comes in with their investments to, you know, to, to increase productivity and they are, they are, thereby realize the food and nutrition security uh, targets. Thank you so much. And um, you... Um the keynote speaker and uh, I was able to catch a bit of your presentation and you are talking about uh, maize stagnating yes. uh, compared to other countries. Can you speak a bit about that and also what more were you trying to, to achieve with your okay. keynote speech? Yeah, what the session was doing was actually to kind of look at uh, 
the current situation or status in terms of the policies that are in place. Are they stimulating enough in terms of incre increasing production? Are they supportive enough in, in, in terms of encouraging uh, more investment in agriculture? And what came out uh, and what I was presenting uh, as the results of actually uh, research work that FAO has done, analyzing policy effectiveness uh, in the agriculture sector in Kenya, is that Kenya has got very good policies in place, very good policies and strategies, but uh, we are not reaping the benefits of those policies and strategies. The policies are formulated, but somehow the implementation is not, um, you know, uh, fully uh, carried through. So we are not getting or reaping or realizing the expected impacts from these policies. And you could hear even from the panel discussion, the contributors, even farmers and practitioners, saying that, yes, we have very good policies. There is a farmer who spoke and said, we have very good policies, but these ones, uh, they are in Nairobi. We want them to be able to be rolled down and work for us farmers at the farm level. We are formulating policies which we are not translating into action at the, poli at the farm level. And this is mainly because the policies are not backed with the necessary funding for their implementation. For you to be able to realize the benefits of the policy, they need to be funded adequately. At the moment, agriculture is not adequately funded. A policy formulation is not catalyzing the, the requisite resources for their implementation. And so there is that gap of having very good policies and strategies, but you are not realizing the, you know, the expected or the desired impact at the farm level. And so there is still that gap. We are not able to meet our food and nutrition targets. And I used maize as an example, as a case study, because maize is the main uh, food uh, commodity for Kenya, uh, is the main source of um, uh, carbohydrates for the Kenyan population, and it is equated, lack of maize is equated to food insecurity. Yeah, food insecurity yeah. So when you talk about maize in Kenya, you are talking about food. Yeah, we've had Unga revolution and uh, yes, like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, 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 I used it as a case study because we have analyzed the maize uh, scenario, the production trend, the productivity trend for some time, and basically it has remained stagnant. We are putting a lot of fertilizer through the government uh, fertilizer subsidy program. Kenya is, is, is doing much better in terms of application of fertilizer than the, the, the neighboring countries. But in terms of yields, we are below. So we are not reaping the benefits of you know, increased use of fertilizer. The cost of production is too high. So it is eroding the benefits that you would get from the the application of the fertilizer. And at the same time also what came out is that the policy formulation process or the policy making process is not inclusive. Okay. The private sector, for example, is not involved. The youth are not involved. The women and various categories of stakeholders are not consulted or effectively involved in the policy making process. There are some nominal kind of uh, policy participation platforms that take place, but they are not well structured, they are not well informed, 
and the participants will normally come are not well prepared to effectively contribute to that uh, kind of a discussion. So a lot of the participants brought out the need to make um, the policy uh, formulation process not just more inclusive, but also better structured. Okay. So that we are more focused in terms of the discourse, we are more focused in terms of even geographical focus, because Kenya is a very diverse country in terms of the ecological zones. The policies that you would apply in the high potential, in high rainfall potential areas are not the same that you would apply in the asal areas. The policies you would apply for the pastoral economy, for example, are not the same that, as those you would apply for the dairy, high, uh, highly commercialized dairy sector. So there is that need of having structured and well-focused policy discourse. Wow, thank yeah. you so much. And uh, in, in your panel, we, we had some very uh, uh, very learned fellows, some experts. Uh, we had Mr. Harry Kimtai, Principal Secretary Livestock State uh, Department for Livestock. Uh, we had uh, Nancy Laibuna, Kipra. We had Nick uh, Hutchinson, Unga Holdings Limited, and uh, Roger Skirwa, uh, entrepreneur. We, we had him yesterday on our show. And um, Miss um, Mary Nzomo, chair of the County Executive Committee Agriculture Caucus. Uh, maybe who, who among these really capti captivated you in, in terms of what they, they, they contributed to this uh, conversation? Um, actually, uh, the panelists were all very good okay. and they were selected to present certain interests in the policy disc discourse. Yes. Uh, the PS uh, Livestock, of course, came to represent the government perspective, okay. the national government, because the National Ministry of Agriculture has the role of policy making. Okay. The, uh, the county executive member, chair yeah. of the, 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 the caucus, Meren Zomo, mm -hmm. was represent, very ably represented by the, the, the CEC member from Bugoma County. Uh -huh. That is the minister, minister for Agriculture for Bugoma County. Okay. The idea of having a minister from the county level was because once the national government formulates the policies, then the, the county is supposed to domesticate those policies and implement at the county level. And having two of them then would help us to understand the challenges that the county governments are having, understanding and actually domesticating the, the policies at their level. And at the same time, counties have, you know, since their agricultural activities are happening at the counties. And you remember, we also said the policies need to be informed by evidence. Yeah. Evidence is generated from the county level. So in addition to implementing the policies, the counties are key also in the policy making process. They have to be informed, involved policies have to be informed by evidence coming from the farm level. So having those two levels of government is key. Then of course we had uh, um, uh, the youth represented by the chairman of Kenarava, uh, Mr. Robert Dianga. Uh, the idea was to, um, okay, he's representing uh, Mr. Oh, Mr. Roger Skirwa. Yes. The idea was also to have the youth tell us, you know, what is their take in terms of do they feel they are adequately represented in the policy making process? Because you realize even from yesterday's high level session, 
the youth are really interested in making a difference. They want to get involved, they know what they want to do, but they need support, they need to be guided. Okay. And we wanted to hear from their representative whether the policies are taking care of their interests, whether they are being involved, and how can they participate in a bigger way and in then, this, you know. What did he say? What did he say? Um, he was like, okay, uh, they are not very, <laughs> they are not <laughs> actually <laughs> consulted. Yes, they are, they are marginalized. They, they are marginalized. They, they talk some, about them, but... They are, they are marginalized, and it is like the policy makers, in okay. quotes, assume that they know what the role, what, of, what the the role of the youth be should be and what their problems are. So there's this like people who are brokering the information yes, for them. But he also acknowledged that the youth themselves need to be better organized because also for you to be engaged effectively, you have to be organized so that the organization becomes the entry point for you to participate in the policy uh, discourse. So it's a two-way thing. It's a two-way thing. The youth and have he to admitted be that, yes, we also, have, we also need to organize and put our act together. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. very, very good uh, summary of, of okay. the session, actually. Thank, thank you. Thank you. you so much. And uh, maybe one last one. What is your takeaway from this session? My takeaway, I would actually uh, flag out my last slide in that presentation. And I think the discussion in the entire uh, event validated what I said. Okay. And what that did you for, say? What I said is that for us to make better policies, we need, they must be informed by evidence. They must be evidence-based. Okay. And for that reason, we also need to invest in generating that evidence by investing in data information, not just, not just generating it, but collecting it, analyzing it, and packaging it in the right way, in a way that it can be able to inform policymakers, in a way that it can be able to make stakeholders participate more effectively in policy discussions so that it actually informs the policy processes. Then the other thing is that we also need to structure our policy discourse in a more strategic manner. They must be, this must be closely aligned to the government planning and budgeting process. Because one of the reasons why the policies are not mobilizing resources is because they are not in sync with the budgeting process. We need to look at, to understand the budget planning and the budget making process very well so that we know at what point can we influence decision making. At what point can we influence priority setting in the first place? Because unless the priorities make their way into the government's medium term plan, which is the document, the basis of the budget, then we lose. Because from that point on, the focus is, in, is on the pro priorities that, that are therein. Ah, so we, maybe people are lobbying at the wrong time. They are lobbying when the budget yes, is being Yes, you read. are lobbying when it is too late. <laughs> if you are lobbying at the time when the, the government has identified Ready. their priorities, yeah. it is actually, to me, a waste of time and resources. Okay. So we need to lobby and 
make our policy discourse, to align our policy discourse to the government planning and budgeting process. And what, what, what can you say is the right time to start this lobbying? Maybe right now that we are, we are starting another financial year? Well, now the government just released its budget for the financial year 2019-2020. Yes. The budgeting for, for the year 2020-2021 is actually starting in August. This year. this year. So it is actually time, if we want to make a difference, to begin uh, flagging out and, and advocating on the, the, the priorities that we would want to be captured in that budget. We need to understand the, policy, the, the budget making process very well. And also we need to be, make our policy uh, advocacy and lobbying a little bit more focused, not on general policy statements. We need to focus on specific policy instruments that can be implemented at county level or targeting specific maybe beneficiaries that we are talking about. We need to identify and isolate you know, individual specific policy instruments that we can now push into the budget, starting from the prioritization process. Moving on to the budget policy statement, moving into the finance bill. If we don't do that, we are going to be making beautiful policies, but no resources will be allocated for their implementation. Wow. Yes. I think I've uh, really enjoyed speaking to you. Thank very, you. very strong points there. Uh, talking about uh, youth involvement is a two way thing. Youth need to be organized more and uh, also policymakers need to, to reach out to the youth. You talked about uh, evidence-based, evidence-based policies. So policy should be advised by evidence, not by emotions. And uh, lastly, you, you talked about the lobbying at the right time. And lobbying at the right time is from the start of the planning of the government, not coming towards the end. So Anchele, it was really nice speaking to you and I uh, hope to catch you again. Maybe you can be able to have another session around um, the budgeting process because I think that for me is the biggest one. If we can be able to, to get into the budget process at the right time, then we can be able to influence. Sure, I look forward to that. Yes. And uh, we can take stock of whether we have had any influence in the, <laughs> in the priority setting and, and the resource allocation uh, process. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, George. That was George Giduma for um, FAO Radio and speaking to Anchele, a team leader for policy in FAO. The recordings were made possible thanks to our friends at the Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, Kenya office, who set up a radio booth at the exhibition. Many thanks also to everyone who stopped by and had a quick chat with us.